0: Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. You can connect with us on social media at Crossing Cultures or by visiting www.crossingculture.org. Make sure you stick around after today's message for a discussion with Phil and our special guest.
1: Well, thanks for being with me on this episode of Crossing Cultures. My name is Phil Metzger, and I'm so glad to be your host for this uh, next hour. Um, We started a conversation with amazing friends and missionaries, uh, Rachel and Argao Ayela, who are serving in Ethiopia. And uh, we're going to continue that conversation in just a little bit of time. But before we do that we're going to get back into the scriptures. In fact, in the first half of our time together, we're looking through the book of 2 Corinthians. So I'm in chapter 6. I'm going to pick up in verse 3. I want to remind you, if you're not able to stay with us for the whole, uh, you know, um, live on the radio, make sure that you download our podcast, Crossing Cultures, on any podcast app, including Spotify, uh, whatever works for you, you want to uh, download it, and then you can uh, you can uh, catch up on all the latest episodes. So let me pray, and then I'm going to read the scriptures. Father, I thank you that there's people right now that are taking time to get to be in your Word, wherever they're at, Lord, in their car, at home. I pray that you would bless them as we as we open your your Word, and we believe in your power to do a work of transformation in our lives. In Jesus name, Amen. I'm going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, and I'm reading this, uh, this passage. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I like to jump around different translations sometimes, just whichever one kind of gives the best sense of the whole uh, passage. Here we go. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. Verse 4, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. Verse 5, we have been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Verse 7, we faithfully preach the truth, God's power working in us, We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God, whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us impostors. We are ignored, even though we are all well-known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Verse 11. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. Verse 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be partnered with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be? Between Christ and the devil, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers, separate yourselves from them, and says, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Verse 18, and we'll finish here. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, before Jesus was crucified in John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19, he, he made that prayer where he says like, I've given them your word. The world hates them because they don't belong to the world and so on. I give myself as a sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. These are, this is John 17. When Jesus makes this beautiful prayer, he prayed for his people who are in the world just as, just as he was in the world, but he prayed that we would not be of the world just as he was not of the world. And this prayer and this idea are central to the section of 2 Corinthians that we're looking at today. It's one of the great dilemmas of Christianity. What does it look like to be a Christian? You'd think this would be super obvious, but over the centuries, And even presently, we still argue with other Christians as to what this should look like. Like, What does it look like to be a Christian? In this section, Paul urges believers to be separated from the world. And he'll also express how desperate he has been to live in such a way as to be faithful to God and to reach people with his love. Christians have been debating and arguing about what it looks like to be a true Christian for as long as there have been Christians, you know, back in the Bible days, don't forget that the majority of Christians were Jewish, at least for uh, the, the beginning season. And so for a while, it was difficult for Jewish Christians to accept the idea that you could be a Gentile and be a Christian. I mean, this was really hard for a lot of people. There was even a time in the scriptures when we read about, uh, You know, Peter having a really hard time with this. He was in a Gentile church. He was totally enjoying their hospitality. But then a group of Jewish Christians came. And all of a sudden, Peter pulls away from the Gentile Christians. There was this stigma that if you were a serious Christian, then you had to be Jewish. And in the book of Acts, there was a big meeting that happened among the Christian leaders. And they were praying and asking God for direction about this problem. And God directed them very clearly. With these words, don't put any burdens or rules on the Gentile believers. You don't have to be Jewish first to be a Christian. And this mindset, though, has continued on through the centuries when we put our brand of Christianity on other Christians. It used to be, not that long ago, that playing card games was so worldly and no serious Christian would ever play a card game. This was what it looked like to be separated from the world. And right on down to today, we're still struggling with what it means to be separated from the world. To be, you know, what does a Christian look like? Can we listen to certain music? Can we watch these movies? Is this job okay for me to have? Do I have to vote a certain way in order to be a Christian? What does it mean to be separated from the world for God? And I think that question is even deeper. God has called us all in different directions and areas of life. And that will impact what it means to be separated from the world. Let me give just a couple examples of what I mean by this. If if God were to call you to be a missionary in the Middle East, and let's say in a predominantly Muslim society, then you will have to dramatically change your lifestyle. Why? Because the people there live different than you do here in America. Ladies, you are not going to reach a Muslim woman while well, you're, you know, wearing, you know, a t-shirt and shorts or, or so on. Modesty is insanely important in that part of the world. That doesn't mean that God loves you more or less, but if you want to reach a Muslim woman for the Lord, then you're going to have to consider their lifestyle choices If you want to work around kids, you have to decide what kind of language is appropriate. You might not be able to say something, you know, like you might say the word stupid to adults, but if you say that around a preschool kid, man, they are going to, they are going to, you're going to be in big trouble. I hope you're understanding what I mean by this. But is this what defines what it means to be separated from the world as a believer? And the answer is no. This is what it takes to connect to people who live differently than you do. The Bible tells us that we're all a part of his body, different parts, but one body. Unfortunately, what tends to happen is we elevate one part of the body and we make that the model of spirituality. Let me put this in another way. We all come at what it looks like to be separated from the world from a different angle. We have to be very careful that we are not making the wrong things our standards of righteousness. God calls some people to really engage in the world. They go into areas, into parts of the world that are, that are, are, are more, we would use the word secular. And rather than the rest of us see them as compromising by, by being there, we should thank God that he called them to reach people in that context. You know, uh, for me, and then I, I want to go to a quick break, but let me say this first. For me personally, God's called me to engage in the world around me. I am meant to reach out to the, the more fringe elements of maybe where some Christians are not comfortable. My calling from God is not to make, uh, you know, uh, it's not to put other people to say, well, you're not doing that, so you're not as Christian as I am. None of that thing. But I might have conversations with people that you wouldn't be comfortable with. This has nothing to do with whether you and I are, are separated unto God or separated from the world. Truth of the matter is that we can both be separated, but have different callings. And it's going to express itself in different ways. Rather than you and me looking down on others or each other, how about we do this? How about we say, you know what? I am so thankful, God, that you've called somebody into that culture, into that society, towards that group of people. Because I don't have the capacity. Rather than us saying, well, I don't believe that's even right. Friends, you and I are not the standard of what a perfect Christian looks like. Once we can accept that, man, it's so much easier to be a Christian and it's so much more enjoyable to just love the people around us.
0: You are listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe at our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at www.crossingculture.org. If you would like to support us financially, You can do that on our website at www.crossingculture.org. Now let's get back into today's message.
1: You know, I want to reach people who feel pushed out in society. Not everybody feels that way, and that's okay. But this has nothing to do with whether we're Uh, both loving God and separated unto God. So I want to jump into this section here. In verse three, he says that we live in a way to not cause somebody else to stumble or find fault. God called Paul to a ministry of church planting. What that means is that he would travel around and he would preach the gospel. And when people gave their lives to Jesus, Paul helped them come together and learn how to grow in their faith as a part of a community. He did this exclusively in Gentile areas, and one of those areas was the city of Corinth, where we read this letter. Now, your context, if you're listening to this right now, your context might not be the ministry of the church or Christian ministry. That's okay. It doesn't have to be for you to glean from these uh, the point of, of what Paul's talking about. Verse three really is the key to understanding the whole section. Here we see that God's call on Paul's life. He was out there trying to reach people no matter how far away from God they might be. He was seeking to live a life that would cause them to believe, cause them to not stumble. And what does that mean? It means that Paul was intentionally thoughtful about how he lived so that wherever he was, the people wouldn't be turned off to Jesus because of Paul's lifestyle. If he was among people who wouldn't eat certain foods, then Paul wouldn't eat them. Or if they did eat certain things that he normally wouldn't eat, he gave it a try. Because it wasn't about sin. It was about connecting to people. At the same time, it was Paul's hope to not have anyone find fault in his service to God. And he's writing about actual fault, not just perspective, right? Because you can... You can, you can do all these things for, for God and for people, and somebody can say, well, I don't really care, and I don't believe you, and I don't like what you did. False accusations are always going to be there. Paul was actually trying to make sure that the way that he lived his life and his ministry to people was honest and authentic and sincere before God. And this has crippled a lot of Christians. We get so busy trying to make other Christians happy and to not be offended that we, we pull so far away from being able to actually reach unbelievers. We're so busy connecting to the people that are already going to heaven that we forget about the people that are not yet going to heaven. And wouldn't it be amazing if God has called some people to reach into the world and into certain elements of the world? What if for the rest of us, we didn't judge them? What if we cheered them on? What if somebody who is different than me in their Christian uh faith and calling, rather than me thinking the worst of them, I believed the best in them and how God was going to use them. You know, I've I've got some friends and uh you know, I don't wanna like, you know, I'm not trying to make like myself like I'm like I'm cool or whatever, but I got a I got some really cool friends. And I'm thinking of um, my buddy Sonny Sandoval, who's the lead singer of P.O.D., or, or my friend Austin Carlisle, who was the lead singer of Of Mice and Men. Both of these guys love Jesus so much. Maybe you've heard Sonny speak at a whosoever's event, or, uh, I mean, and Austin, the same thing. These guys love Jesus, and um, God called them into music, not Christian music, but music. And I'm going to, I'll maybe use Sonny. Hopefully he won't be too embarrassed by me bragging on him because I'm really bragging on Jesus. He loves the Lord so much. He wants people to know Jesus so much. And my job is to cheer him on. I pray for him. I pray for the outreach and the opportunities that he gets I'm so thankful that he's out there. He's playing in places that if they saw me, they would never listen to me. But Sonny gets up there and he looks cool and he sounds cool and his band's cool. And and then he starts talking about Jesus. Man, I am not, I don't want to criticize that guy. I don't want to even put any doubt about him. I want to do the opposite. And I want you to join me in this. Let's cheer these men and women on that are out there reaching people in areas that I could not. Don't live your life in fear of offending other Christians. Let's live in fear of God. And, and, and by that, I mean, let's just live our lives to believe and to trust and to live for the things of Jesus. Notice what Paul says in verse four. He says, in everything we do, that we show that we're true ministers of God, patiently enduring. Paul mentions the troubles that they experienced in trying to reach people for Jesus. And this is pretty general. These are general things, troubles, hardships, calamities, uh, similar to what Jesus said would happen to us if we choose to live for him. John 16, in the world, you'll have tribulation. The Corinthians falsely believed that to follow Jesus would be the end of their troubles. Paul reminds them that to go after Jesus, it might be the beginning of a lot of your troubles. And and he mentions three more troubles, but this time they're troubles from others. Look at verse 5. Beaten, imprisoned, angry mobs, exhaustion, sleepless nights, you know, all these things. Uh, It wasn't just general problems that Paul faced. In other letters, he would say that he had been beaten five different times. He'd have a mob rush him and crush him with rocks. He was thrown in jail. Why? Because he was talking about Jesus. And you might be wondering, how could the message of Jesus create so much anger? Because in some cases, the gospel brought such transformation that people stopped stopped cheating in their businesses. They stopped buying false gods. They stopped prostituting themselves. The gospel made a massive impact in society. And you know what? A lot of people weren't very happy about that. I want you to imagine a gospel so strong that it was actually bringing about real transformation. This is not only what happened, but it is what we should and believe And expect for our lives right now. And I'm going to ask you this question. What areas of your life need transformation? I believe that God, through the gospel, wants to bring actual life change to you and to me. Now, notice that he he talks about a few of these problems that he faced that were kind of self-inflicted. Exhaustion, sleepless nights, hunger. How do you endure these kinds of problems? How do you just not decide, you know what, forget it, I'm done with this. How could he, you know, verse 6, we prove ourselves by our purity, by our patience and our kindness, and he just goes on, nobody can endure beatings and the kind of problems Paul did on their own. But I want you to notice what Paul says in these verses, that it was by the Holy Spirit within him. This was key to his ability to endure hardship. It was the Holy Spirit in Paul that enabled him to remain pure, to have understanding, to have patience, to have kindness, to have love. You can't have those things on your own, not at least, at least not for a sustained period of time. Any one of us can impress people for a short time, but to live a whole life of purity and kindness and love, that can only happen by a work of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Paul doesn't mean that he was perfect. Just that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. When he lacked understanding or when he was becoming impatient, the patient spirit enabled Paul. And I wonder, and I truly wonder this, maybe you don't know this kind of Christianity. I want to invite you into a fresh understanding of the work of God in your life. God did not save you and now is just waiting for you to die one day and come to heaven. Now the Bible says that he's given us His Holy Spirit. Why would God save you and then expect you to figure it all out on your own? It makes no sense. If you couldn't save yourself, how do you expect to reform yourself? You can't. You need God not just to save us, but to literally guide us and lead us and empower us. And honestly, I do not want to be a part of a Christianity where I don't see my need for the Holy Spirit and the power of God working in my life through his word, by his spirit, in the real world. Let's jump into a quick little break. You're listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If
0: this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe to our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. We would love to send you a copy of Jeremy and A.D. Camp's book on marriage titled In Unison, For your gift of $10 or more, you can do that on our website at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. Let's get back into today's message.
1: Paul mentions some of the paradoxes of his life in verse 8. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We're honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we are well known. And he kind of goes on and on, and I'll go through this list, but I want you to see the let me just list all the kind of interesting dynamics here. We're called imposters, but we're honest. We're ignored, but we're well known. We're close to death, but we're alive. We're beaten, but not killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we're making others rich. And then finally, we own nothing, but we have everything. And one of these paradoxes could be a whole message. I could uh I could just go on and on about each one of these, but Uh, Let me just make a few comments about uh, about these. If you didn't know this, Paul used to be a very influential and well-known Pharisee, a religious leader. He was on his way to great fame in religious circles, but then he met Jesus, and everything changed. Once he became a Christian, his Jewish friends abandoned him, his Pharisee friends wanted him dead, and most Christians were afraid of him because he at one time had been about persecuting believers. He was a man without a home in many ways. He used to be well-known, but now he was largely ignored. He knew that Jesus knew him and loved him. And the fear of no longer being known and important didn't matter because he was known and loved by God. That's the paradox of the Christian life. If I have everything without Jesus, I have nothing. If I have nothing and Jesus, I have everything. And Paul goes on, he's like, dear Corinthian friends, in verse 11, we speak honestly and our hearts are open. I'm asking you to see us as if you were our own children. Open your hearts to us. And these verses tie the whole passage together. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to read about the importance of being separated from the world for God. But that's not how the section started. It started with Paul expressing his desire to please God and to reach people in spite of how he was treated, in spite of how difficult life was. Paul was serving God in a world system that was against God and against him. And at the same time, he was personally seeking to be separate from the world and for God. It's hard to do both. In fact, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. How can I serve God and people in the world when the world is against God and me at the same time? And also be separated from the world for God. This can only happen by the Holy Spirit in my life. Think of Jesus who was hated and loved, shamed and yet holy, loved by God, hated by the world, perfect, but yet came to die for our sins. Powerful paradoxes that happen there. And then let me wrap up this, this Bible study with verses 14 through 18. Uh, we already read it, but you could read through that again if you so choose. In verse 14, it's normally the verse that we use to tell people not to date non-Christians. You know, um, don't, you know, do not be unequally yoked is the in NLT. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. And so, we, you know, I was a high school pastor. Usually you hear this verse in youth ministries or when pastors want to remind you, do not date a non-Christian. And there's a lot of truth to that, by the way. It's not what this verse meant. Like Paul, when he wrote this, wasn't thinking about 15-year-olds dating. Uh, uh, But uh, sometimes I wish he did. Raising teenagers, I wish that Paul had spoken a little bit more clear like that. But this verse is not the verse for dating necessarily, um, though it's not wrong to be used that. The idea comes from an Old Testament concept. The idea of being yoked was a farming idea. Two animals who put on a yoke, they were connected They were connected together. And Paul uses this verse to talk about Christians not being yoked to an unbeliever. You know, God called us to be separate from the world. We are, as Jesus prayed, in the world, but not of the world. And we don't want to mix those things up. Being in the world means let's not judge those Christians who are in areas of the world that we're not. Let's thank God that they are there and that God is using them Let's pray that the devil doesn't get a hold of them and do damage to the name of Jesus. And let's hope they're praying the same thing for us. In the same manner, let's not be of the world. This is true for all of us. We can be in the world, but not of the world. It's possible to be a Christian, but to yoke yourself to worldliness and worldly people. Watch out for that. Oh, I'm married, so this doesn't apply to me. No, 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 it still applies. This isn't a dating verse. Paul is warning all of us about connecting ourselves to worldly wisdom that does not account for God. If you're single and praying for God to bring someone into your life, pray that they love the Lord. Pray that they can keep learning how to be in the world, but not of it. If you're married, don't allow yourselves to be influenced by worldly thinking in your marriage, in your family, in your home, in your thought life whatever state you're in the idea here is not about just dating it's not about dating at all it's all about the idea of am i am i um am i gaining my wisdom from the way the world thinks about things or am i gaining it from the way that god does and this is a real challenge for us and i want to i want to wrap up with uh just a kind of a few just a few thoughts about that the idea of being yoked you know um there's a, there's, a, how do I say what I'm trying to say? It's possible to still invite worldly thinking into your life, even once you've been a Christian for a long time. We can become so kind of stuck with, well, I know that this is the right way. I've heard this. I've, we've been doing this forever, whatever it might be, traditions. But it's so good for you and me to force ourselves to get back into the word of God and to re, to, to allow God to speak it again into our lives. And that's why I love what Paul says in verse 17 and 18, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. He's not talking about hating people or like, I can't be around you. You're, you're terrible only. What he's really saying is this, don't let a thought process, a mindset, a worldview, a cultural bias that is not from God become your influence. Don't let those things, like, you were made and saved for more than that. What harmony, he says in verse 15, can there be between Christ and the devil? Again, it's not about just people alone. Don't look at people as your enemy. We have one enemy, it's the devil. People are lost and in need of Christ. People are saved and in need of more of Christ. That's all of us. And so we don't want to let ourselves become influenced by worldly thinking. Maybe you just had a, maybe you got a new baby at home. This is how my parents raised me. Let me encourage you. It might've been great. It might not have been great. You might be saying, I'm going to do the opposite of them. Hold on. Let me just encourage you, whether you had a great childhood or not. Consider not just, you know, this is how they did it. But what does the Lord want you to do? God made that beautiful little baby, girl or boy unique. And he put you there. How does God want you teachers maybe you're a teacher and you've got classmates or you've got kids in your class they're not all exactly the same how the lord put you there how does god want you to don't just take the worldly wisdom of well this is what we got to do we got to apply it straight across the board to every single human being friends we were all uniquely made in the image of god take a moment take a breath and just say lord how could you use me teachers to minister to that student in this situation in this moment uh, you could apply that into every part of your life and into your jobs, and I hope you do. And I'm really grateful for the time that we've had to be in the scriptures. And I, I'm, I'm really excited about this, the you know second half of this conversation with these wonderful missionaries uh, from Ethiopia. Uh, and uh, let me just close us in a word of prayer and then we'll jump into that conversation. So Lord, thank you for your word and may it bear great fruit in our lives today, this week and forever. In Jesus name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed our message. We have a great conversation coming up in just a moment. Crossing Cultures is focused on helping Christians learn how to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than they do. We would love for you to partner with us financially as we seek to take the gospel locally and globally. You can do so by visiting us online at www.crossingculture.org. We would love to send you a gift for your donation of any amount. Now let's hop back into today's discussion with Phil and our special guest.
1: All right. Well, thanks for being with me. I hope you've been enjoying our message so far, and I am I'm so excited. I told you last week that we would continue a conversation with our with Joy and ours my good friends Rachel and Argo Ayala, and uh, we are here and we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, Argo and Rachel. Argo is from Ethiopia, and uh, he left the country. Uh, hoping to get to the UK, but got stuck in Ukraine and was smuggled into Hungary, where he spent a year and a half at a refugee camp. It was there that he really got encouraged um, through a missionary that was uh, was serving at the refugee camp, teaching Bible studies. Argo really grew in his faith. He was able to move to Budapest after a year and a half. And six months later, Argo came to the Bible College, Calvary Chapel Bible College, Europe, in a small village in Hungary called Vita. And it was our very first semester of having school that had moved from Austria to Hungary, and he was one of our students. And of course, it was there that God did a great work in his life and also used him in great ways. Uh, And uh, at the end of his time there, he really sensed that God was calling him to go back to Ethiopia. And of course, I don't want to leave out that he had also met his uh, he met Rachel, who was from Indiana, who had sensed at about 14 or 15 years old that she was called to be a missionary, oddly enough, to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's not odd because the Lord was at work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys, thanks for being with us again on this yeah.
2: this yeah, week's welcome. episode. Thanks mm-hmm. for having us. Uh,
1: we, just, we love you guys so much. And you mm-hmm. just brought some... Huge truths uh, to us last week on the idea of reconciliation. And by the way, if you are listening to this on the radio and you didn't get to listen to last week's, I'm going to just beg you to do something. Jump onto our podcast, Crossing Cultures. Go to the website, crossingculture.org or philmetzker.com and make sure that you listen to last week's episode. It was so rich and so good. And I just found out a really fascinating fact about you, Argo. From your wife, Mm -hmm. tell me your the the name Argo or it's Argo. Argo? Okay, what does the name Argo mean in Amharic? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay,
3: Uh, Argo means is settler. A settler. 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 Okay. So I settle
1: situation. You're okay. So like a reconciler. Okay. Yeah. Your name means to reconcile. Yes. I love that. And we just happen to be looking at passages on reconciliation. <laughs> beautiful yeah. and I love that so much. Um,
4: you know, your life is that picture. It's totally. Yeah. It's
1: totally. And We were, we, we kind of finished up talking about this idea, how God took all of us to this one country to do a great work in us And to send us out, and as you said, like, I've been redeemed, Mm -hmm. I've been reconciled, I've Mm -hmm. been chosen so that I might be an ambassador for Mm -hmm. Jesus. Right. And for you guys, God took you to to back home for you, Argo, Mm -hmm. and a new home for you, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when we went on our first trip, Argo, I'm going back to this first trip, okay? Mm -hmm. We get there, and, you know, I knew you in... In Bible college, mm-hmm. and of course, I'm around, we're around a lot of like loud Americans and loud <laughs> Europeans, and you know, and you were yeah. quieter, but but you were not, um, you didn't lack strength. It was just that you're you're and then and then all of a sudden we we land in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and everyone knows you. Every single person knows who you are every uh every agent in the in the airport every you know we were walking down the street and a guy would come up to you and be like how to go and then all of a sudden now it's our mark and i don't know what's going on but it's like you just met your long lost, and i think one of them was a cousin or probably most of them (laughs) who knows uh i was so shocked to 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 discover like god had prepared a path for Mm -hmm. you to be back in ethiopia Mm -hmm. so what did you go back
3: for I found out when I was in Bible College, I was quiet because I was I was out of place. Mm-hmm. I was there to be molded, mm-hmm. to be equipped, to go back where I can be very effective. Yes, I was out of place. Yeah, and when I went to my place. I wasn't myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were you
1: were you. You were who you were that.
3: supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But God used that season mm-hmm. to equip you. Uh, if I wasn't Bible college in Hungary, I would I would be just nobody. Isn't that crazy? Awesome. It's so weird. I mean, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs>
4: it's, I think and, that's true for all of us. And the impact, Argo, that you taught us. Mm-hmm. And maybe we didn't learn it at the time. Right. But what are pers- the personality or the, or the nationality that we saw right. as a Christian leader, mm-hmm. how they are to look, how they are to sound, how are they to act? Mm-hmm. Maybe we had a certain image in our head. Right. This is how Paul the Apostle or Peter, mm-hmm. or this is, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we didn't know that he was argo mm-hmm. this is the man of right. god because sometimes in our cultures we have certain personality types or per- certain traits that we think is a true leader for god you know and i'm so happy that i was wrong i learned something i so much i'm continuing to learn there's so much more to like who god chooses to use for his glory
3: it's just you didn't know as you are not wrong mm-hmm i didn't yeah. know i just didn't know i
4: didn't know i didn't i only knew what i knew but i had so much more right. i want to know and i'm still in that place I so want you to keep go knowing yeah.
1: when you when we when you got to ethiopia when you got home again um when did your the heart and the vision because i really want to get into the story now right. like what god's doing so when did that happen like in kind of Maybe you can start to share now, like, what, what are you guys doing there now? Mm-hmm. You know, you are, as we talked about last week, you are the parents of 91 children. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- w- explain a little bit about what that means and how, how we got to this point. Uh, let me ex- explain up to Lantu. You can okay. take from
3: there. So we went to Ethiopia from the time I met my wife 10 months later. Oh, we good. met in <laughs> six months Crazy. Married. married. I love we it. We went to U.S. in 2005, August, get married on September 17th, January 12th. Four months later, we were in Ethiopia. Wow. We didn't have a lot of things arranged, a lot of things prepared. We just went. Hmm. It took us four years to figure it out, to be remolded, to re- um, grounded, mm-hmm. try to m- try to do a lot of things by own. Um, I mean, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four years, um, newly married, mm-hmm. trying to do something, um, trying to teach a Bible study, trying to get the church license didn't work out. H- trying to help street children, it's very difficult. Took us four years, and we were almost gave up. In the last minute. Doug and Rose came
1: to encourage us. And these were missionaries in Hungary, uh, Doug and Rose, Martin, and then, and they had come on, they'd been on an outreach trip there before, right? Right. This Uh, was their first first This was their (laughs) first trip. Okay. So, so they came on this outreach trip from Hungary. They Mm -hmm. came over to you to encourage you and then, yeah, keep going. They came and spoke wisdom on us. I didn't
3: know that. And then we didn't have anything, so like we discouraged, we want to go back. We mm. didn't have church, we didn't have orphanage, we didn't have this and that. They say, you guys are doing amazing work. Yeah. And while they're there, there's one little girl, blind, crippled, five years old, unable to walk. She can't speak anything. Very little girl came to our place.
4: Her your name home? is Lant. To your home? To your her house? Her father brought her. To your house? Uh mm-hmm. huh.
1: So her dad brought her to mm-hmm. your house. And what was her name? Lantu. 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 Yeah. Okay. And she became the inspiration, or her name at least, mm-hmm. for what became the ministry that you guys have. What we're doing today is because
3: of her. Well, mm-hmm. my wife, she can explain about that. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, okay. So I have to explain about Lantu first. So Lantu was, uh, she had a family who loved her. Uh, they didn't know how to care for her. They were from the village and they couldn't afford to care for her. She was, she would have died probably very soon after we met her. Um, and her father was like, please, we had helped her get surgery on her eyes a couple years before cause she had cataracts. And, um, so we helped her have eye surgery and kind of took her around and she had heart problems and doctors told us she's not worth it. Don't spend money or time on her. She's not worth it. And we're like, well, we think, and we know otherwise because Mm -hmm. God made her. So, um, the, the wisdom I believe that Doug and Rose gave us when on their trip was that we prayed over like the idea of taking this child from her family, which is Mm -hmm. not what we were wanting to do. Yeah. I cried. And doug and rose helped us make the decision and, and we pray again we prayed over it and we all felt peace afterwards that no we believe god does want her to live with us so that we can get her help at least and you know there's always the the uh, opportunity to reunify her later anyways um Lantu, within a couple months she learned english <laughs> language um and spoke it very well she learned how to walk she wasn't walking at five years old she gained kilos she was very malnourished when she first came Mm.
1: so she started putting on weight she
2: put on weight her eyes and her heart were the problems in her body Mm. physically and her favorite song to sing was open the eyes of my heart lord Mm. she loved that song and um precious precious girl Anyways, this girl ended up learning five language, like could speak five languages. She was learning wow. to read on a board English words when I'd write big enough. Goodness um, gracious. Yeah. Intelligent, I mean, genius. very genius little girl. Uh, she, so, anyways. From a
1: small little village. Yes.
2: And it starts with wow. one. We yep. spoke at uh, Paradise Calvary Chapel in Vegas, and Sean had mentioned, like, it it was that one child and from one person eighty six came. You know, and hmm. more than eighty six we've Yeah, had, right. That's uh, just what you have right, right now. now. Yeah. Exactly. So Lantu was the beginning of Ebenezer Grace, which is our first children's home. Um in two thousand 14, Lantu's heart gave out and Mm. she died on October 2nd, Mm. 2014. October 2nd, 2015, we were able to start Lantu's home. Okay. And that's our home that we've kind of made for children with special needs. Okay. Um, But we also take an infant. So there are kids that have special needs and kids that don't have special needs that live in the same house. Mm -hmm. And then um, a couple in 2017, I believe, we started a a home for kids with HIV, um, but we only had one young girl who had HIV, so we just made it our older boys' home okay. at the time. So, uh, we have yeah, eighty six kids in these three different homes, and, and it all started with one.
1: And it started with one. And I think that's the that's mm. like everything starts with one, mm. doesn't it? I mean, mm. like every good thing yeah. starts with just one. Yeah,
3: I wanted to say something about her. Yeah, uh, I I would say she is like. Um, the powerhouse like for me mm. mm-hmm. like everything she achieved to be able to walk to be able to know language five language in five years having all this problem she has a, a hole in her lung uh, on her heart and she has a lung problem mm. she never complains. Wow! anything she wanted to learn she achieves. Wow. Well, I was like, this little girl. Well, that's she, inspiring. Mm-hmm, like everything she wanted to do, she would achieve. She never complained well. having all this problem. I said, like, who are we? Like why we are complaining and yeah. crying. And like, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. And How hard is our lives when we, yeah. When yeah, we think of true. that? Yeah.
3: She was like school for me.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Like we kind of learned, like we learn from her. Character, she built yes. up a character, she loves God. And one of the things uh, I just wanted to mention, and that when she died, we we, we were here when we, we came here for the vacation uh for three months. After we left, like 10 days later, she got sick. Sean and Megan was there, they were telling us like she's sick. I felt like I should go back. I took the, some gift for her, like after we came back like t- 10 days later I went back and we gave her a gift and she said um daddy mm. she was not even able to speak she mm. was just dying mm. she said even though I'm so sick right now I know Jesus loves me
1: <laughs> wow That's she knows Jesus wow. that
3: night she, she died
1: wow and you were there
3: you could I was there wow yeah and she's just amazing
1: Wow! Yeah, it's what just like um, that's so powerful. How how do most you know? There's there, every kid is a story. Every story is a is a hundred other stories behind that that one kid, and every life matters is the whole message of Ebenezer Grace and Lantu House. Um, how, what's a what's a normal reason? Like, and again, not normal isn't okay, but right. what are the common reasons that people bring kids to you is there any kind of commonalities or like what are some of the reasons why kids get dropped off at your doors
3: few reasons I can explain some of the kids were dropped out because of the unwanted pregnancy they didn't know how to handle the the family they won't accept them because it's out of wedlock okay they just give birth and just they live in hospital or okay. put it in a bag and drop them somewhere. Or like on the side of the street. They were just, they were unwanted. Unwanted. Right? So that when the people they find, the police found, they bring those children to us. Some of the kids who in our care is because of harmful traditional belief. Mm. They have a parent because they were born a certain way. People, they just, they don't accept them.
1: Yeah. What were some of those? You've you, I've, I've heard you mention a few of those that may sound strange to us, but they're really mm-hmm. big deals. There, like, what are, what are some of those abnormalities that they were born with that mm-hmm. because of traditional beliefs, parents abandoned their children? This is a tribe, uh,
3: it's called Hammer, one of the tribes. So they are not exercised two things, they rejected two things education and Christianity. Well, the traditional belief they have because of that, if the child born out of wedlock should be killed. Well, if somebody married and without bull jumping or traditional performance, if doesn't do that, all children should be killed. They well, call them mingi. Or if a child's teeth come in upper jaw first, should be killed.
1: And so, or, I mean, you're talking about wait, wait, when teeth come in, that's late in life. Right. I mean, for a, this yeah. is not this is not a day-old baby. Yeah. yeah. So the teeth come in, the top teeth come in. First. And the, the tribe decides we need to get rid of that kid. Right. If they have twins. if they if, Oh, so twins are like... Unacceptable. Unacceptable.
3: Yeah. If a child falls down and breaks its front teeth,
1: unacceptable. So there's just like, I mean, there's no, you know, there's just a million different right. things that mm-hmm. could potentially... If a mother's
2: yes. nursing their one baby and she's pregnant for the next... Before she weans the first, both of those babies should be killed.
1: Should be killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, there's this little home called Ebenezer Grace, mm-hmm. where people are like, maybe we won't kill our baby. Yeah. We're just going to drop them off with them. It's not
3: drop them off. They're these people. They're very loyal for their tradition. Some people just from their tribe would just sneak them out and bring to us. There you go. So
1: they they kind of like steal the baby away so that the kid can live, because they don't want that to happen to them. Okay. And And Ethiopia is such a
2: social, like communal Mm. uh, country. Mm. The tribes, like tribe, is everything. Mm. The where you live is everything. Mm. You don't just up and leave because your kid doesn't belong, Mm -hmm. which is what we would do, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's that's the reality in yeah or if yet. like you
1: had a kid out of wedlock like you might go to another yeah, you might move leave. Right? but right but no. because tribe is so important mm-hmm.
3: you can't the move, kid has to be gone yeah and the opportunity is not there either
1: and the opportunities are not there You're that's there. that's mm-hmm. a good that's something yeah. to remind us that it's not all like mm-hmm. evil like yeah i don't want my kid it's i don't have any other alternatives yeah. right and so you guys have 86 beautiful mm-hmm.
3: uh we had a. Uh, over twenty six
1: local adoption, and you've had twenty six local adoptions. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, worth talking about. Over that's beautiful. Fifty
3: uh, reintegration,
1: fifty reintegrations. Yeah. Wow,
4: and, and then going back to their, their so your whole
1: homes. ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. reconciliation.
4: Right, they it's go back to their birth parents.
1: Yeah, fifty
4: mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. gone back to their birth right. parents or families or birth so families.
3: Have, right, yeah. And we had uh, the last uh, three four years school feeding program. And we had an opportunity to get the food from Canada uh, for 51 schools, 31,700 children. So we fed every day one meal, wow. five five years. Wow. it's
1: incredible. Up until
3: COVID. COVID, it, stopped it
1: Wow. And but you and I talked about how like the Lord worked through COVID. Right. And, you know, where a lot of things have ended for a lot of ministries for you right. guys. You just saw the sustaining power of God through, yeah. through COVID. Yeah. And, um, and I do want to, I want to, you know, listen, if you're listening, obviously you're listening. What else would you be doing here right now? That's a, <laughs> if you're listening and, um, and you, you know, you want to catch up on all this, I do want to encourage you to go jump onto my website at philmetziker.com because there's going to be a link on there for their ministry of Ebenezer Grace. And you can, uh, I don't want to just have these great conversations without encouraging you. If you have a heart to give than give, And you can do so through their ministry. You can also do that right on our page there. You can give there and we'll make sure that we get that uh, support over to them because uh, we, we think that what they're doing, and I, I hope you would agree with me if you're listening to this, what they're doing matters and it changes lives. And I was thinking that ver- there's a verse that I was just teaching on that made me think about you guys. And it's the verse in second Corinthians six, where it says our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We have nothing. And yet we have everything. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the future of Ebenezer grace? What, what's, what's the, what, what do you sense that God is doing? We're wow. just about ready to finish this up. So give me some, tell, tell us what's going to happen.
3: Well, you're talking about the reconciliation and an ambassador. All the kids we have are from that tribe. They're about to finish high school. Wow. Well, Abandon the child and wanted the child. We are going to send them as ambassador to their own tribe.
1: That's amazing. So they're gonna so they've been with you their whole lives. Yeah. They're gonna graduate high school and the vision is that they could go back to their home tribes with the gospel. Little by little surely we want the heart of the family.
3: the kids has been going to their family every summer. The wow. family they love them. The people who killed their children now regretting because now they see the fruit. Our children being killed, these children are supposed to be killed and now they're getting education, they're learning they'll be ambassador to their own tribe. Well wow. there will be living testimony how, this ritual practice is bad, and it took a lot of children's life. Now we are sending these children as a nurse, as an engineer, as a doctor, as a missionary. They are going to speak life. We're supposed to be killed. We're supposed to be cursed. Now we're blessing to our family, for our community,
1: and because of Christ. I mean, my goodness gracious. Wow. What else is there? Wow. Geesh, you did this last week too. You just it's dropped amazing. this like amazing, mm-hmm. incredible truth. Well, we want to thank you guys for thank you so much. Um taking time to do this, to have conversations that I think people here in, in the K-Wave and the KSDW world, we need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And not just to um be inspired and to be encouraged, but to be invested. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to encourage you if you're listening and God's touched your heart. Uh, I'm, I'm unashamedly asking you to give. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, you can jump onto my site at philmetzker.com or crossingculture.org. And you'll see either a donate button on there. You can also find links to their, their ministry. And I promise you, we're going to get this stuff out to them. Um, it matters to us deeply. Uh, and, uh, if it does matter to you as well, and you want to give to them, do so. And we'll make sure it gets there. And, and you can start up an amazing relationship with these with kids you get to support you can be invested in a kid's life and you can have um connection through internet and through email and all these kinds of things it's an amazing thing we've been joy and i we've been we've been blessed and privileged to support a young boy for i don't know how long has it been it's been quite a it's while years it's yeah. been years and he's grown up I mean, mm-hmm. he's growing up mm-hmm. and it's like an amazing thing yeah and uh, so Please give, please get involved. Um, they're not asking it, but I'm begging you all to do so. And uh, thank you guys for being with us. And uh, all the rest of you listening, um, I'll see you next week as we continue through the book of Second Corinthians, as we're learning how to connect to people who live, believe, and think differently than we do for the sake of the gospel. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, you can subscribe to our podcast, Crossing Cultures. Visit us at paulsonculture.org, or you can connect with us on social media. If you live in San Diego, we would love to see you in person. Calvary San Diego meets on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find our address at www.calvarysd.com. We're a new show, and we would love to hear from you. Would you leave us a voice message at 619-500-4772? Again, that's 619-500-4772. And let us know how this show is reaching you. And pray about supporting the ministry of Crossing Cultures in prayer and financially as we seek to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than we do for the sake of the gospel. Visit us at crossingculture.org. Thank you for being with us, and we hope you join us next week on Crossing Cultures.